You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. you been? I've been doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How's your morning been? Has it been busy? Has it been chill? You know, it's been busy because trying to just get the house all staged for the sale and then get over here and get the Wi-Fi working. But I'm so happy to connect with you. And I have a podcast, but this is the first time I've been a guest on somebody else's podcast. So awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you as well. Delphine, for the purposes of the podcast, what we like to do is we like to focus on a topic. We like to focus on something that would be the most beneficial for you in the next 45 minutes that we can work on. So is there something that is top of your mind where you're like, you know, I I would love to work on this thing, whatever that thing might be that we can focus on today? So I have a couple of them. I'll let you pick which one is the most relevant with you. One of them is I'm really feeling that I'm going in the direction of doing more group coaching and creating programs to do group coaching. And so I'm looking into what's the right platform to do that on just kind of all of the aspects and parameters of group coaching. That's one question I have. The second question is, because I have a podcast, I'm creating a lot of content, but sometimes connecting that content to my coaching business is not always obvious to me the right way to do that. And so that's something I'm trying to figure out that could be a coaching opportunity. When you first asked the question, I thought I was going through a week where I had like three different people tell me that I was strong or that it was a little intimidating how strong I came across. And so that's what I originally wrote in when when we said that. It seems not quite as relevant this week just because that's not what I'm focusing on, but it is something that's (laughs) probably been an interlier of my business. And I am asking myself, is my strength actually becoming a, a liability? Oh, okay. Very interesting. Do you feel that is something that you still want to cover or you rather focus on group coaching and uh, having a podcast and connecting it together? I think I want to focus on any of those things that feels most relevant to you and that you feel you can speak to the best because I could talk to you all day, man. We got a year together. So, hey, I'm sure we could circle back about, but whatever you think is something that maybe you haven't covered as much in your past. Absolutely. So, so tell me a little bit more about your podcast. Let's start there. My podcast is called Delphine Circle. And it's an interview series where I interview people that have a claim to fame. So they have to be the biggest, the best, the first, or the famous. And I've been doing it for a little over a year. We just had our big anniversary party of the podcast. I've had some incredible people that come on as guests and talked about their life, their careers, what brought them to coming on my podcast. And then I asked them what we call the big questions. And so those are questions designed to have a little bit better understanding about where they get their inspiration and their belief system. So I ask them things like, um, what are your daily routines that you may have? What are, tell me something that you used to believe, but you don't anymore. Um, Tell me about, um, what are the questions? (laughs) It's It's okay. I just, I just want a general overview. So your podcast focuses on interviews. It has guests. You have conversations. These are probably very beautiful conversations that people will listen to and absolutely love listening to. Delphine, what's your coaching focused on? So 
when I actually started the coaching program, my thought was that it would make me a better interviewer. It would make me a better mom. It would make me a better friend. I tend to be the person that people come to when they have questions or decisions. So I thought it would make me a stronger person. After going through the program and really listening to you and the team about what the needs are out there, I started thinking that probably my sweet spot is to do executive coaching. Podcast is called Delphine Circle because everybody on the podcast is a personal friend. I wasn't sourcing and looking for guests outside of my friend group. These were all people that I already knew. And going through it, I started realizing that there were a lot of people that were feeling very isolated, that it seemed like the higher up at the top, the the issues kind of were very similar. People feeling isolated. They felt that they were didn't really know to who to turn to for inspiration. They felt overwhelmed by their workload. They were having a hard time with life balance or they've reached the pinnacle and now they're trying to figure out their purpose. So I kind of started seeing the same uh, themes running through my guests. And I thought, well, I feel like this is the universe moving me in this direction that this should be my focus. Absolutely. So tell me one thing, Delphine. When somebody comes on your podcast, when they talk about something and life-related and so forth, how far off are they from your work, which is executive coaching? Or these people who are in your friend circle are some sort of executives. They might not be traditional corporate executives, but they're executives in their life in the sense they make executive decisions for things that they do. How close is it or how far off that is? It's pretty close. I mean, you mean close to what I want to do in terms of my coaching or? Yes, close to in terms of what you're doing or you want to do as your coaching, yes. It's very close. Yeah, it's wonderful, beautiful, beautiful. Delphine, what would success look like to you if let's say we were able to find a model for you to integrate your podcast and executive coaching, what does success look like to you? What would happen that you would go, okay, I can see the integration now? I would ideally like to be personally working with about four to five individual clients. And I would like to develop the group coaching platform. My background before the podcast is in marketing. And so I'm building out a platform called Think Coach, which is to help other coaches find clients and connect coaches and clients. And so the group coaching platform would be where we get to attract a larger group of people, talk about a specific topic, and then if they wanted to work with an individual coach from that point forward, pass them on to uh, either myself or to another coach that's in the network. Beautiful. So let's first tackle the objective number one, which is you want to have four to five clients that you want to work with that come through the podcast in one way or another, right? Yes. Would you say that's objective one? So... To get clients from any platform, including a podcast, one must understand that every conversation, and you probably understand this because you've been in marketing and you have been a marketing executive, is that every conversation needs to be designed and structured in a way if you want a particular outcome at the end of that podcast or end of that conversation. So for example, when somebody comes to Master Coaching Podcast, my objective is actually not to enroll them into anything which is why you will see there's never an offer. There's once in a while I might talk about an offer on the podcast, but usually that's not the intention because the intention of the podcast is to build a brand and build a following. It has no intention of monetization, which is why my conversations are structured to draw 
almost an insight pretty much in every episode. So let's say when we are talking and we are having a conversation, almost pretty much every single time, the last question that I end up asking in an episode like this is what is the big takeaway that you're taking from this conversation? Because what I'm really doing is anybody that listened to that episode and while they were listening, while they were driving a car or cooking a meal or whatever they were doing, at the end of it, they go, oh crap, I don't know what the insights are. But the person that was actually being coached, like in case you are right now, you will know exactly what were the two or three insights that you got, right? And you will restate it, which would mean the person who's listening and wasn't paying attention at that time will go, okay, this is what I got from this episode, right? Do your guests know in advance that you're going to ask them that question at the end? No, I don't. I'm just giving you as an example because now you know, because I'm trying to draw it and connect it to your podcast, right? So I would not tell that. I would just simply say, and they would, everybody would have some insights, 100%. Uh, otherwise, we were talking for 45 minutes without any <laughs> purpose, right? And so everybody has some insights or something to take away. And that's good enough because that's what a person needs. And let's imagine how somebody listens to a podcast. A lot of the podcasts I heard when people are walking or doing some other activity, they are doing something else and podcasts is in their ears, in their cars, in whatever that is, on their laptops, phones, whatever that is that they're listening, but they're actually doing something else as well alongside. Very few people sit down with a notebook and write notes as they're listening to a podcast. Would you agree? This, that's kind of how you listen to a podcast as well, right? Yeah. So podcast is a passive consumption uh, platform, which means you need to instill what somebody is going to take away at the end of the conversation, right? And you need to know where you're going at the end of the conversation. This is making sense until now? Absolutely. Right? And because you're a marketing person, this is probably really present to you, Right. So what is it that we can do in our conversation with our guests that brings attention from the guest to Delphine and Delphine's offer is the question that we want to ask. So say, for example, I was one of the guests that we were talking on your podcast and Delphine is talking about, say, coaching or let's say life or life purpose or something that is specific to that person, right? And as you're talking to this person, what you may want to say multiple times during your podcast and definitely towards the end of the podcast is, you know, uh, Ajit, one thing that you said is finding life purpose is about taking chances and doing new things. One of the ways that I have helped my clients take chances and doing new things is A, B, C, D, E, right? And whatever that is that you've helped clients do or whatever you think a client should do, even if you've not practiced it in somebody else, but you've practiced it for yourself. That becomes your offer at the end of every podcast or during the course of the podcast. What we or podcasters often do, and you will see this in bigger podcasts, is they don't relate it to an offer. And the reason they don't relate it to an offer is because they have sponsors, which is another way that you can do your offer is you literally can start by saying this podcast episode is sponsored by Delphine Circle. Let's say that's the name of the product or, or mm -hmm. so forth. And Delphine Circle is all about bringing four or five really good executives coming together from an industry, working on A, B, C, D, E, whatever that is that you're focused on in your coaching program. And that uh, advertisement is in mid and is also in the end. The idea really is for you to be able to be open to finding a way within the conversation so a person can connect you to the amazing speaker that they're listening to, Right. Now, one step further, if you want to actually be able to build an audience, because podcasting audience is a little fickle, right? A topic doesn't resonate with them, they're not going to listen to the episode. 
right? Or a particular speaker pisses them off, they might quit listening to the podcast altogether. So it's a little bit fickle. There is less brand loyalty until it's a long time that they've listened to the podcast. And then they would just write in and say, dude, what did you do, right? Otherwise, they would have not as much loyalty because there's also millions of podcasts at this point. So what you want to do is you want to come up with one or two simple things that a person can do that will allow you to have them on your database. So this could be an email database, this could be on Instagram, this could be on anything that you feel like is an easy enough platform for you to communicate consistently with your potential clients beyond the podcast, right? So for example, you might say, hey, listen, uh, you're listening to this podcast with me and my friend Brad Axelrod. If you want to get show notes from this episode, click here and I will give you the download link. Or if you'd like to get the three-step framework that helps you find your purpose, click here and I will give you the download that will give you that worksheet. But basically what you're doing is you're collecting email addresses when people click here, right? To be able to access something. Something that is very easy to set up on many softwares. At this point, you just simply can use like Squarespace or any of these different technologies. Simple landing page, just throw it in there, have people be able to download. So you have them on your email database that does two things for you. Firstly, whenever you open an offer, you don't have to rely if the person listened to the podcast or not. And secondly, you can always promote your podcast and bring people back. Because again, when we are listening to podcasts, how are we listening? Let's look at user behavior. We pick up the phone, we look at what was the latest release, depending on when we opened it, we press play. Because it's not one podcast we are following, we are following many different podcasts. We just pick what is on top, right? And whatever is most available. It's a Sometimes video podcast too, so most people watch it on YouTube. Video podcasts are all watched on YouTube, which is a completely mm-hmm. different play. Yeah. Right? So that's great. That's awesome. Because audio podcast platform is done this way. Video podcast play, which is on, say, something like YouTube, is a very different play. The reason why it's a very different play is because YouTube algorithms work very differently. Now, I don't think we'll have the time to really get into YouTube algorithms today because they are designed to push what is more likely to get a longer watch time and what will have people stay on YouTube as a platform. So it's it's a more complex system. And podcasting, like just the audio format that's available on Apple and Spotify, is right now more relevant for podcasts. And the reason for that is pretty straightforward because once somebody says subscribe to your podcast, they'll at least see an option to view it. And it's pretty prominent. So it's more... I'm on easier. both. I'm on both. I have, I'm almost on all the audio podcast channels, I'm but I, my viewership of the YouTube channel is, is about three times what I, my audio podcast oh, gets. that's amazing. So, yeah. That's amazing. So that means that is a big possibility that your podcast is more followed on YouTube. Is a video podcast is more followed. Great. Like call to actions on YouTube is even better because there people are actually engaged in the content because people tend to watch mm-hmm. what they are doing. Versus here, they're actually not so engaged. They are doing something else. So even if you make an offer, sometimes it's just missed. So that's actually awesome if you have attention of people on YouTube, because then you can make your offer pretty straightforward. Again, think about making a download that a person can do fairly easily connected to the episode. It could be sometimes as simple as show notes for the episode or cliff notes for the episode. So people can go, okay, I can have a summary down with me. Again, these are more engaged people because they're watching on YouTube. So that's awesome. Or create one, two, three PDFs based on whatever coaching that you're offering. Whatever is the focus of your coaching. If you're mostly talking to executives that are in the marketing field, just create a template for that, that they can download easily. And then you can connect with them. Again, the purpose is same. 
you have a way to reach them beyond your YouTube channel, and you also have a way for them to go back to YouTube channel in case they're not watching it anymore. Does that make sense? Is it landing for you as of now? What is coming up for you? But I need to get a lot more digitally savvy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. do, Do you feel you're not digitally savvy? I feel like I've been relying too much on people that I'm going to, to do those things for me. And I feel like it needs to be a little bit more cohesive. And I think I need to get more personally involved with how that's happening. Like you, my podcast was not started to sell anything. My podcast was really started in 2020 as a way to kind of connect with people when we were all feeling so disconnected. And I've never had sponsors or paid advertisement or anything like that. I don't have the subscribers for that. But now that I'm going into promoting more of the coaching aspect of it, the thought has been, how do I now transition this thing, which has basically been conversations with people that I find interesting and hopefully they get something out of it too and the viewers get something out of it. But I've never talked about my coaching on the podcast. And it's now at a time where I feel like I want to start making that transition So I do understand what you're saying and collecting data is a great suggestion for that so that I can start building more of a coaching database instead of just a podcast database. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Your podcast database is your coaching database. Yeah. Coaching is, you want to not separate the two. Anybody that is following your podcast is interested in dialogue with you. Okay. Which means that they are very interested in the ability to be able to work with you in one capacity or another, coaching being one of the formats or group coaching being another format. So there are many possibilities and many formats that you can lean into. You don't necessarily have to feel that they're two different entities that you're talking to. They're the same entity. Coaching is available to everyone and everybody is interested in it. Anybody that is savvy enough. So what do you think about this idea? One of the things that I don't do on my podcast that people have suggested, and I feel like it's probably a good suggestion, is I don't address the audience directly. And maybe understanding what you're saying is tying in the content of the conversation to a more call to action or a takeaway item. And maybe, and since we all know that the first 10 minutes of the podcast are always the most watched, maybe as I directly address the audience in the beginning of each podcast and say, on this week's episode, we're going to be talking to uh, Reverend Robert Schuler from the Crystal Cathedral. And I loved this episode. I really felt like he really opened up and kind of like preface the episode with a personal direct content that would be more uh, connecting the audience with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you haven't done that, that's a great idea. You can do that. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's taken away in the past from your episodes. I don't think... It's necessary thing to add, but it definitely adds a layer of personalization and layer of association between you and your audience. So it's totally worth doing. In the past, I've always felt I always wanted to put the light on the guest, which I believe still is, is the right way to go about it. But I've almost done it to the negation of helping to build my own brand in a way that I can utilize that audience to transition them to other projects or things that I've been working on. Absolutely. And putting light on someone else doesn't mean you can't put light on yourself. You, know, you do you're... it so well. I'm really learning from your, your way that you do that because you have a great way of shining the light on your guests. But And, and as, a, as an interviewer, you know, sometimes it's like there's that balance between how much do I interject and say my part of it and how much do I allow the guests to, to take the lead. And there really is a balance. And I feel like I'm 
you know, over the year of doing it, I'm, I've gotten better at it, but it is definitely a learned skill. And remember that you are the person that they eventually are coming for at this point, yeah. right? Especially the repeat listeners. Anybody that is coming to that channel again and again, yes, they are interested in the guest. And what they're really interested in is who's Delphine going to bring next. It's not about the person. It is about Delphine in many ways. Do you see how people view it? That's yeah. how any podcast is viewed. You, yes, are interested in the guest, but you're actually more interested in the host. Because after a point, it's the host that is driving the guest. The yeah. guest is not driving the host because the guest comes and goes. The only constant they have is you. And they're coming back for you because they trust you. So they want to hear from you. They want to know you. They want to understand more about you, right? They want to listen to your stories. They want to know how what you learned or what you were having a conversation about impacts your life or your take on it, right? And think about any talk show that you watch, talk show or podcast that you listen to. After a point, you're like, I want to just know what, you know, person- come to the Oprah show for Oprah. (laughs) Yeah, like it's like you go to the Oprah show, not because who came as a guest, you get to know the guest because Oprah- says you should listen to him or her, right? That's the reason why the person is even getting any light, which is why so many people dream of being on something like Oprah, right? But they're coming for Oprah, right? So that's kind of how you want to think about your show as well, your podcast as well. It's a way for people to connect with you and your guests. But your guest is, if not then equally important as you. Not less important than you, at least equally important than you, but they're definitely not more important than you, okay? So that will already change the way you show up on your podcast, hopefully, because now you understand that it's not about them. It's about the listener, ultimately. It's about the person that is watching, ultimately. The person that is watching doesn't care about you or your guest as much as they care about themselves. They're listening because listening to you helps them somehow. Could be because they feel more elevated, because they feel in a better mood, because they feel like they got to eavesdrop into a great conversation. Something about you and your show appeals to them. That's why they are interested, right? But they're interested because of themselves, which is why if you address them, it's great. If you have the bandwidth and capability of doing that, amazing. You should totally do it, right? At the same point, recognize they're coming because they see some part of them in you. And that's why they're coming to you and not to somebody else. Great. I love it. That okay. resonates. Cool. So firstly, you can adapt your podcast to now have a deeper integration. Do you feel you have some tools now to be able to see how you would integrate your coaching generally into your podcast? Yes. Okay. Cool. I guess I just, I needed permission to do it. I think there was some hesitance on my part to transition that or make that connection between the two, but I know it's time. Yeah, it is time. <laughs> so the second thing that I want you to, to look at and consider is how do you build a group coaching program within this frame, right? Because that was your other question. Yeah. So what will happen is as you build your podcast and as you build an email list or following on Instagram, again, I have no idea what your following is anywhere, right? So maybe you already have a great following. I just am not aware of it, right? But let's say as you build your following in all these different platforms that are of your choice, So know that I might say a platform, but if that doesn't land for you, you don't have to build it. You can build something else, whatever lands for you, right? But you want to build something where you can somehow talk to your audience more easily. Like it's not complicated. It's not based on the algorithms. It's more possible for you. It could be a text, 
uh, or a text list. And these are all softwares available. These are not complicated things. They're very simple things. You can say, enter your phone number, and then you can have a text list that you run. And that's fine too, right? And, and basically what you're doing is you're first building a following or building some clientele in your one-on-one coaching, your executive coaching. And once you've done that, is only then I would invite you to think about group coaching. And here's the reason why. Groups are formed at a minimum of five to eight people. Like you have to have at least five people. Anything less than five people doesn't feel like a group. The ideal number is at least eight actually, but five, I would still say you can run a group, right? Which means that you need to have five enrollments at a bare minimum when you start a group. Now, when you don't have an audience or when you haven't built an audience, when you don't have the connections to be able to get five or 10 enrollments, if you start a group coaching program, it doesn't serve the audience and you feel disheartened, right? So nobody really wins, even if that may be the format that you eventually will go to, right? So my invitation for you is to first identify what is the group coaching about, right? And that's the key to success of group coaching is you need to be able to tell exactly the result that you're going to get. And so people say yes to that. Like, all right, Delphine is going to help me be better on camera. Yes to that. Yes. So let's do that, right? Or Delphine is going to help me do whatever else that Delphine is going to help me do. Learn better about marketing. All right, great. That's what I'm signing up for, right? And so five or 10 people are signing up for that result but five or 10 people need to be in the group, right? So first identify what's the outcome that you best serve. It helps when you've coached a couple of people because you said you were newer to this particular game. What you want to do is you want to find out what is it that you're really good at? What is the result that you really drive? So as you coach five, 10, 15, 20 people, it becomes easier for you to identify exactly what you're good at. And then you can form a group around that. Right, because you know that you're going to be able to drive results, so you know exactly the steps to get it. Right, what needs to happen week after week in the group for that result to happen, and at the same point in time, because you build an audience during that time, and let's say your coaching was hypothetically, let's just say it's five thousand dollars for three months, your group coaching program might be a thousand dollars for three months because it's a group, right? So you might be able to say, all right, all the people who were able to do executive coaching are done with executive coaching with me. Now I'm talking to people who may not be able to afford $5,000 for three months. They're able to afford $1,000 for three months. Let's bring them on to this group coaching program. All these prices are hypothetical. I'm not saying this is the pricing structure you'll follow. But you have then a different kind of audience saying yes to the group coaching program who desire the same result that your one-on-one coaching clients do, but they're not able or capable to be able to pay for it but they are your audience. They are already in your network through your podcast and different channels that you may be presenting your information on, presenting your dialogue on, communicating with this audience. How did that feel, Delphine? I like it. No, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, my other goal with the group coaching is, to your point, the one thing that I've really taken away from this past year of bringing guests on and having these conversations is the disconnection. Everybody is feeling so disconnected from the world. Being in uh, Tallinn, I remember thinking, wow, this feels so great. I love walking in the streets and not taking my car everywhere. I love connecting with people and talking to people I haven't met because in my world in Newport Beach, I drive in my car, I order my groceries, I order my Amazon, I bring my food in. Like I literally don't have to see anybody all week if I don't have to. And I'm hearing this from my guests. So I guess the, one of the major goals in the group coaching is to help start building communities of support system for people. So it's not just like when they're not talking to me, they don't have any other person that they can rely on or talk to. 
So my goal in the group coaching is also about how do we start building communities of support systems so that people don't feel so disconnected. Beautiful, beautiful. And that becomes your model. And maybe you already have built that model and you've tested that model and you know exactly what that model looks like. And if that is a big desire for people, sure, that could be your group coaching model of being able to help people build communities or have communities around them or build a community for them so they are connected in that way in that group. The thing that you do want to make sure is that, yes, community is vitally important, but people go to communities also to get a result. Right. right? So you just, and I'm not saying you're thinking about everything very correctly. You're finding a real pain point. It is very relevant in today's time. Yet, when somebody says, all right, I'm going to pay money for it, they want to get something in return. Community in itself is not a return. What does the community do for them is the return, right? I learned that with the quest, Mind Valley Quest. Oh, the one that we just released? Not just that one, but just quite a few that I've done. I feel like I love how you guys are always kind of bringing it back to what that result is. And that was a great learning experience, just going through the quest, so many quests that you guys have there. Yeah. And so so if you think about the quests or if you think about any of our programs, like you look at the certified business coach, certified life coach, certified hollow body coach, they're all very specific to the outcome that you're going to get. They tell you this is what you're going to get in four months from now. This is the thing that you can expect as an outcome in four months, six months, 12 months from now. And that's what you're saying yes to. Mm-hmm. You're saying yes to the result. And while you're saying yes to the results, you're looking at is the logic to get to this result sound enough, Right. That's what you're really looking for. Your intellectual mind is saying, well, is the path or the system that they're saying they will get me the result to, does this feel aligned to me? Does this seem logical to me? Does this feel like, yes, they will actually be able to get the result? Do I resonate with the person that is presenting this information, which are all feeling-based, but also intellectual decisions that you make, while the real buy-in is your belief and trust that you will get the result at the end of those four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, doesn't matter how long the program is, you will likely or you feel like or you can justify to yourself, you feel trust in the capability of being able to get to that result in that time period with that person, with that system, right? So what you're really looking for, Delphine Hare, is as you build your audience, which should be your primary function, at least stage one right now where you are, is build the capability of bringing your existing audience on platforms like podcasts and so forth to come to your email list or some other format where you can communicate with them easily. Once you've done that, start with something that's easy, uh, easy in the sense it doesn't require, oh, I need to fulfill six different things to be able to say I'm running a group or something like that. Instead of that, do something easy like I'm going to get one client at a time, which is basically having a conversation with somebody that may be on my podcast or somebody that may have listened to my podcast. Because you're always in conversations with people. You seem like a connected person. You care for community, which means you're a connected human being. If you are, you're always in conversations that may have a possibility for you to coach someone. So you can keep finding what is that coaching or what is that result that you really drive with your people, right? And as you find that result, maybe it would be time because also you will have testimonials by that time, right? Because people would say, Delphine, you helped me do blank so well. Thank you so much. You're an awesome coach. Well, great. Now you have a testimonial proving that your system works. And now you can tell to the group that you will enroll, hey, here is person X's testimonial, person Y's testimonial, ABC's testimonial. You have testimonials, you have a system, you have proven track record. It's more likely that a group will be formed a lot more easier. Yes, I love it. What is it that would stop you now, Delphine? I think 
what has always stopped me in the past is I try to take on too many things at one time. And so they're all kind of in slightly working mode. And since I've been back from Mind Valley University, I've been really working to simplify my life, which is including selling my house. And I'm moving to Palm Desert. Nice. And I'm going to just get to a place that has a little less social interaction, a little more quiet so that I can really focus on the goals that I have for myself and not keep getting swept up in everybody else's needs and requirements. Beautiful. Beautiful. So getting overwhelmed, is that happening mostly because of your location or it happens because you feel like you need to do more? I think it's happening specifically for me because I've taken on too many things and that I need to streamline and prioritize. Awesome. Would you like a tool to be able to do that? Yes. Awesome. I'm going to give you two actually. So the first tool that I want you to work on is to write on top of a piece of paper commitments and then write down your commitment list. There are certain things in our life that we just can't ignore. These are things that are important to us or things that we have said yes to that are going to happen day in and day out. Things like I've committed myself that by five o'clock every day, I want to be home and I want to be with my kids undistracted. So there's no calls, no phone, no computer, nothing. Every single day at five o'clock onwards, five to until they go to bed, I want to be with my kids and my wife and be able to give them full attention, right? So that's a commitment, which means I must end everything before five o'clock, right? So there are commitments that we all make in our life. You must have made some commitments in your life that are non-negotiables. You want to write them down. Because what happens, the reason why we overwhelm ourselves is we put these great goals and expectations in our life and we forget that there is all this time that we've already filled with life or commitments in life and there's only that much space left to meet our expectations. And that's not enough to meet those expectations, right? Maybe it needs this much time to be able to get to your expectation. Your commitments take up all of this time, which means expectations can't be here. They need to be somewhere down here. So with the time... A commitment that you already have, you can layer it up a little bit and you can meet some of your expectations, but you can't meet all of them, right? So that simplifies your, because there are those commitment things that you've already, and by commitment, it means things like, I have committed myself to an hour of health. And that could mean walking, training, doing whatever that is every other day, right? That's a commitment. That's an important commitment that manages your energy and your environment and so on and so forth. But that's a commitment you must fulfill, so you want to write you down those commitments. calendar them or when you say write them down, what do you mean? So first you want to write them down. And then the second step is to calendar them. The first point is to write them down because a lot of the times, like I said, we forget that we have these commitments, right? So you want to have a list to say, what are the commitments that are must have for me, right? That are non-negotiables. I must do this because it's good for my energy, my family, so on and so forth, right? So you'll write them down and then you will put them on the calendar because those are non-negotiables, right? Then what you would do is then you would start to say, okay, what is the time that I have available or the capacity I have available to do things that I want to do to fulfill my expectations, right? And you may find, well, I can't do YouTube and Instagram and group coaching and this and this and this. I can only do YouTube and podcasts and that's all I can do for now. And so you say, all right, these are the times of the day or these are the days of the week when I will just do that, right? that already reduces overwhelm because now you know exactly what needs to happen and what is going to happen and you have a plan. Overwhelm happens when you don't have a plan, right? Anxiety also happens when we don't have a plan. The best way to beat overwhelm is to put structure around it. So once you have structure around it, now you go, okay, I can do only say the podcast and YouTube, let's say hypothetically and one-on-one coaching, right? Let's just hypothetically assume that. 
That's all I can do. If my financial goals are X, what needs to happen within the frame that I have so I can reach my financial goal? Okay. So what you're going to then write down is you're going to write down, okay, if I do my podcast and I do one-on-one coaching and let's say I want to make $5,000 a month, I need one client because every client pays me $5,000 for three months. And every month, if I get a client, I have booked myself for $5,000 for the next six months or whatever the thing is. Figure out the math, right? But basically, what you're really setting yourself up for is what needs to happen every single month for me to meet my expectation or my goals, right? And how does that fit into my existing protocol or existing calendar that I have, right? So I'm not trying to do more because I need to fulfill my financial expectation. I'm trying to do better to fulfill my financial expectation, right? So instead of trying to figure out how are the 10 other strategies I can do, you're dialing down into one until it fails. And it doesn't fail for until you've at least tried it for six months, okay? So one of the classics that happen, and that's why a lot of coaches get overwhelmed, is every marketer in the world has a different strategy and a playbook. And they promote that strategy in that playbook, right? And all of them work. The challenge is none of them work together, right? So what you have to do is you have to pick one strategy in one playbook. If you pick many strategies and many playbooks, the only thing that happens is you get overwhelmed and none of them get executed. And by you, I mean all of us do this, right? So you want to find that one strategy that is most cognizant to you, most important to you, feels good in your bones. And you want to say, I'm going to try this for six months, right? And if it doesn't work in six months, I'm going to pick something else. And then I'm going to try that for six months. And then one day you finally figure out the rhythm that works, right? You might already have that rhythm because you have a pre-running podcast and a YouTube channel and so forth. So you probably have all of this already. But the distraction of something else or something shiny object, as we call it sometimes in marketing, where you just go, oh, somebody said, you know, do TikTok dances and you'll get clients. And now, all right, here is where here we are on TikTok. But it's overwhelming because now you have to figure out YouTube and TikTok, which is completely different playbooks. Right? You want to find one playbook. And truthfully, most of the businesses that I have built or I've seen people build, they are based off of one strategy. People think they're doing a lot of things, but most businesses in their early stages until they hit like five or seven million in revenue are doing like one thing. They're doing it really well. And so they crush it. And then because they have the team at that point, they have profits at that time. Now you can have 10 strategies. That's fine because you're not really doing them. The team's doing the specialists that you hire. They do it. Consultants that you hire, they do it. So you're not really doing it. So it's doable then. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's the first thing that you want to do to reduce your overwhelm going forward is make a commitment list, put it on the calendar, then put the things that you're going to do based on what is remaining time-wise for you to be able to execute on that and then stick with one strategy. So that's first way of not getting overwhelmed as you build your business. The second way to not get overwhelmed is every single time there's a new playbook that comes into your mind and you cannot let it go. Weighed against four variables. This is only for businesses, not for personal life. You have four variables that are very important in any business is leverage, ease, risk, and return. Leverage, ease, risk, and return. So what you want to do is you want to take all of your ideas and weigh it against how much leverage do you have. By leverage, it means I have something that I'm already doing and so doing the next thing is easy. You know, like it's leveraged. I can build on top of, like I said, You already have a YouTube channel, have a CTA for them to text you or email address drop you for something. That's me sharing leverage. You already have something running. You're putting something on top of it. That's leverage. Ease. 
which means if it's too complicated and too hard to do, you will most likely not do it or you don't want to do it because when it gets hard, people give up really fast. But when it's easy, everybody wants to finish it really quickly, right? So it's easy to find a software that lets you text people. It's maybe hard to build an audience from ground up on TikTok, right? So you want to find the easy place first, right? Because ease will let you actually finish it and you will either win or lose really, really fast, right? Which is great. Third is risk. Risk is how high or low risk it is. Especially for a newer business, you never want to do high risk business. Like don't pay somebody $20,000 to manage your social media. It's insane. It's too risky. Do things that are less risky first and then return. How or which of the ideas have the highest return possibility, right? And you want to work on that first because that will give you the highest return. So what you're looking for is high leverage, high ease, low risk, and high return. And you want to rate each of your ideas one through five, depending on if it's a high leverage, you will rate it five. If it's high ease, you will rate it five. If it is low risk, you will rate it five. And if it is high return, you will rate it five. And you will go around that. And it's intuitive. You just so intuitively, this is what I feel like it is on a scale of one to five. And whichever idea has the highest score in the end is the idea you pursue, right? So anytime you get overwhelmed, you feel like, holy shit, I don't know how to really figure out which idea to pursue, pull out LERR and, and go ahead and put your ideas against LERR functions and you will find which idea should work for you. Love it. Awesome. What's happening for you, Delphine, right now? You feel either really calm or really tense. I'm not sure. I feel... Like you've given me a lot of really great tools and I'm trying to take it all in and see how I can activate on this. I know you've given me gems. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling though? I feel excited about it. I feel motivated by it. I know that I've got I've got a lot of tactical things going right now in terms of the move and re- relocating and all that. And I want to start creating the outline of how I hit the ground running and really move these things forward. Okay. You feel like a little overwhelmed or tense, which is why I'm checking in again on how you're feeling. I don't feel overwhelmed by this. I feel okay. that this is actually going to help to take me out of some of that. I mean, an overwhelm, I am a huge meditator, so I wake up fabulous every day. Sometimes in the middle of the day, I feel, start feeling overwhelmed, but I know mm-hmm. how to reset from that. And I don't feel overwhelmed by this. I feel motivated by it. Cool. Awesome. So Delphine, what would be some key takeaways for you from this conversation that we had today? I like the idea of really writing down what are my priorities and calendaring them. That's not something that I'm currently doing. And I know that that makes a lot of sense. And I really feel positive about narrowing in on some specific mechanisms for creating change and then doing the LERR to see which ones are really going to be the most effective for what I'm doing. And I want to look at my podcast again and figure out how I can use this content to bridge to the other business in a way that feels authentic to me and helps to share the message that is my new opportunity. Collecting uh, email database as well. (laughs) Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, Delphine, and I'm going to see you soon. Thank you so much, Ajit. Take care.